You're listening to the Coin Boys Radio on the ISP dial, playing the latest hits in the crypto space. Ladies and gentlemen, listening to Tatiana Moros with the Bitcoin jingle. That's right. That was a nice jingle. I must say. That's right, everybody. It's the Coin Boys. We are the Coin Boys. Your average everyday crypto bros, and we have a really special, I guess, musical themed episode. We have. T- I, listen, it's it's. We love art. We love content yes. makers. We love people who who do their thing. Yeah. Uh, and especially with your when you're associated with crypto. Yeah. So, so obviously, Daniel Goots is here. What's uh, up, guys? I'm Andy, producer, by the way, and we have Tatiana Moroz, a speaker, singer songwriter how you doing thanks for coming on the show thanks for having me guys uh, thank you so much by the way d- did i pronounce your name correctly did i, I pronounce your ask. name correctly <laughs> i don't know it's tatiana morose okay it's, oh, yeah, less, did. it's less sad sounding sometimes people kind of so go beautiful. like morose and yeah. i'm like mm, not quite but so, sort of so say your name with a smile and we got it right Yes, there you go. Perfect. <laughs> so uh, thanks for joining us uh, on another episode, another interview episode. And this time, uh, music focus, I would say. Um, just uh, for our audience that might not be familiar with your music, could you tell us a little bit about what what kind of stuff you do in music and, of course, in crypto? Uh, yeah, sure. I mean, do you want me to sort of give you a little background about how I ended up there? Because when I think of my past, I, I sort of do it in a chronological way because uh, sure. it was an yeah. evolution. We I um, actually it, I wanted to know your story on how you got into crypto. So let's let's do that. Yeah, I like that. Sure. So, um, you know, I have a really 
eclectic bunch of things that I do. You know, I have a marketing company, Crypto Media Hub. I have a podcast, The Tatiana Show. I've got my music. I've got like a music platform and all these different things that I do. And of course, at the core of it, I consider myself a singer songwriter. But it all started when I was really, really young. And I would listen to a lot of those 60s and 70s singer songwriters that had sort of, you know, like a little revolution theme. My mom was playing them for me. And, you know, I, I was really enraptured by the music and I knew that I always, you know, wanted to do music. But when I heard Cat Stevens doing Peace Train, it occurred to me that you could use music to convey a message and to also prompt social change. And I always thought a lot about how mankind was organized, you know, what would be the best way to, to organize humanity so it would be the most equitable for everyone you know, the best situation. And I read a lot of dystopian novels, uh, like 1984 <laughs> oh, and, nice. and, and yes, uplifting stuff. And so this is, you know, this had a pretty profound influence on me. And I think that sort of sculpted my, my life. Um, in college, I went to Berkeley college of music in Boston Oh, and I, had, yeah, Berkeley is totally in your mindset. I feel Yes, I guess so. <laughs> um, so yeah, I went to Berkeley in Boston. And at that time, it was around the time that Britney Spears came out. And so to me, that was a little bit like the death of music. Right. Um, and so then, yeah, right. I mean, really, did it get any, at least, you know, we had Nirvana for a while. We had some good 90s, the 90s bands. I mean, Britney Spears, just the end of all good got music. It. So um, that is the time that is exactly in the timeline of human history that music changed yes. on Britney. I like that. <laughs> I actually like that. You've pinpointed it, I think. Yeah, well, it was pretty depressing when it happened because, you know, I was listening to all these cool um, singer-songwriter chicks. I mean, Jewel was a little bit wussy-ish, but she was still cool. And, you know, there was uh, the Indigo Girls and there was Tori Amos and there were all these kind of like rock chicks. Fiona Apple, of course. And, and and then you all of a sudden had Britney Spears. It's like, what are you, serious? <laughs> so anyway. It real quick. <laughs> Um, so then I, uh, went to Berkeley and after I graduated, I came back to New York and I started, uh, working at a number of different major recording studios because, you know, I needed a job and I figured I could get free studio time. And I had studied music business, um, at Berkeley along with jazz vocal performance. So, um, while I was sort of, you know, pushing my singer songwriter career and also basically managing studios really early. Like I was managing Chung King or one of the managers for Chung King and like 22. And that was a legend studio uh, down in Soho. So anyway, uh, that was really neat. But I also saw a lot of the problems that plagued the music industry. And I also saw how much time was used in the studio and then how much time was wasted in the studio. And so rooms would sit empty for just hours and hours on end. And it was really frustrating. And there I was struggling and trying to make it in New York. And people would say, you need a niche. And I thought, I don't have a niche. Leave me alone. So, <laughs> um, I mean, what, what's going to be my niche? Like, I don't know. I'm blonde. I play songs. You know, I, I mean, what do you want from me? This industry is playing, whether it's music or, or, or TV or movies, you, you, you're supposed to have a niche. You're supposed to fit in some, to some sort of category. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, and theoretically, I had all the things that you would need in order to have a successful music career, or at least some kind of career in terms of that. But I, I don't know, like music in New York are, are not very compatible in certain ways. It's a really tough city. And in the meantime, you know, I had to work and pay the bills and all that stuff. And I started watching a lot of documentaries and I was really into Michael Moore. And then I got really into Dennis Kucinich into 2008. And at the time I heard about Ron Paul 
And I thought, he sounds cool, but what's up with him in the EPA? And like, why does he want universal health care? What's wrong with this guy? He seems cool on the other stuff. And uh, in 2011, obviously, Dennis Kucinich didn't win, neither did Ron Paul. But in 2011, I found out about the Federal Reserve. And the Federal Reserve, to me, became my arch enemy. It was as if a veil was lifted and I understood the tools of our enslavement more acutely than I ever had. And it really put me into focus. And at that time, the Ron Paul movement was really growing. And I was watching, you know, America Freedom to Fascism and the Money Masters and Fiat Empire and all these cool movies. And then I started trolling around online to see what they were doing with music for the Ron Paul movement. And there was this girl, Amy Allen. Uh, so Amy Allen, this is, I mean, I'm telling you sort of the long version of the story, but I actually think her story is really cool. So Amy Allen, um, she was a Ron Paul supporter and she had um, basically gotten beaten up in the streets in these really, really weird circumstances after having a lot of success with the song. And there was, you know, she has a video um, that she talks about it and it's sort of suspicious circumstances. But regardless, okay. people were still asking her. They're begging her, you know, Amy, make a song, make a song. She's like, leave me alone. I already wrote you a revolution song, you know, enough. And I understand that perspective. But at that time, I didn't have that perspective at all. I said, oh, I could do that. <laughs> so okay. uh, so I started writing music that was um, like themed along the ideas of freedom and individual responsibility and, um, and liberty. And it was an amazing time in the world because – this is when libertarianism was at its best, right? There was people from the left. There was people from the right. It was super duper legit grassroots. And um, and what I learned from that experience, because I got to, I actually got really accepted into that community and I got to play for thousands of people all around the country, actually getting paid to do music, which is, you know, in itself a miracle. Um, and after I saw what happened in the elections, though, you know, it wasn't just that the First of all, it doesn't matter if you're a Republican or Democrat. Whatever party you're in, they should follow their own rules, as we saw recently with yes. Bernie Sanders, right? So um, I saw that the Republican Party was not to be trusted. They were simply basically breaking the rules in order to keep the, the status quo. And then you combine that with the media, it was a really disheartening feeling. And it was almost for me like a death of America, that, that dream that I had, that belief that um, voting was a real thing was completely uh, decimated. And it was around that time that Tony Gallippi and Stephen Pear from BitPay, who had just you know started not too long before, they sponsored one of my shows. And they oh. came up to New York and they spent three hours telling me uh, all about Bitcoin. And I want to just preface this with I hate technology. I really do. <laughs> I don't like I don't like finance. When people would say, hey, I'm going to go to a party, I would say, why are there going to be finance people there? Oh, like I was like a, a racist against finance people. <laughs> but now <laughs> uh, cryptocurrency has really, really changed my life. And, and at first when these guys were trying to tell me about it, I was like, please stop. Just take. And I gave them 500 bucks and, and um, I had like $11 Bitcoins. That's what I bought. Unfortunately, I sold them, you know, obviously, you know, artists, they live paycheck to paycheck yeah, a lot of times. But do what you got to do sometimes. Well, also, when it goes up 10x, I mean, what are you going to say, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, I mean, that seems like a reasonable position. So anyway, um, I I got into Bitcoin and I still was sort of, you know, belligerently against learning about the technology until I started, uh, you know, hanging out with Jeffrey Tucker and he taught me about how Bitcoin could sort of change the world. And he had this really lyrical way of explaining it to me. And it made me think that, you know, here, here I am knowingly 
with the Federal Reserve as my arch enemy and I still can't get into Bitcoin. We need a song for this. This is this, you know, Federal Reserve stuff. I don't know if that's going to sell. We need to think of something else. And so that was my first real like contribution, I think, to the community was writing the Bitcoin jingle, which we, of course, just listened to. Um, so that was really cool because, you know, I, I started it as straight up a jingle, but I actually think that it's um, it is like almost like an anthem or or at least a song in, in yeah, that I mean, it actually I, I think has so. heart. Yeah, when it, when Andy first uh, had me hear it, I was I was listening to it. And I'm like, this is really like a cool little jingle that kind of uh, it's almost a simple way to kind of introduce people into the space. To, to That's exactly what the point was. Yes. I, a gentle, like pretty, kind, beautiful, like song. Like yeah. it's just a good, easy. It's you know, it's it's very anyone could like it. You know, that's that's what's cool about it. And Thank I, you. That was my intention. So that's a, a very high compliment. I appreciate that, it. Yeah. And and for the newer listeners out here who haven't heard or who don't know much about the Federal Reserve, we're going to eventually do um a a special edition podcast on the Federal Reserve and also the U.S. dollar and things like that because it's a whole lot. But um. That's one of the reasons why I got in, why, why I'm sticking to crypto uh, really is because of how the Federal Reserve runs the money. And if you don't know how it was, how the Federal Reserve was created, what it does, uh, you may want to just take a quick peek uh, if you're on the fence about Bitcoin. Yeah. So, 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 okay. So at this point, you're starting to get really into the crypto space. And now how are you, like, how does this bring you to how you're integrating it into the music uh, with your music and your and I think you you actually started your own coin as well right so what happened was is I, I debuted the song in Buenos Aires and this is when oh, Bitcoin nice. hit its Beautiful. first Buenos peak. Aires Argentina. oh it was oh, one of my favorite what good places food they the have down there very inexpensive to, to uh, not as much anymore oh, it really? used to be cheaper yeah it kind of sucks I this went there ten, president he's making ten, the prices fixed or something weird I don't know what he's doing yeah. 10 years ago I went so it was cheap 10 years ago the, oh my god it was fantastic five years ago even it was I had the a steak for eight dollars so good a steak uh, a big steak dinner in Argentina I know I know it's fabulous there god I yeah. love Argentina um <laughs> Anywho, Anywho. (laughs) enough about steaks. So I I got, you know, I I played the song in front of over 300 people. And this is when Bitcoin first hit a thousand bucks and everybody was going crazy. And I also um, did a cover of Masters of War. And Masters of War is what made me and Andreas uh, Antonopoulos friends. I mean, he liked the Bitcoin jingle, but Masters of War is, you know, anti-war people are really at the heart of the cryptocurrency community because, you know, a lot of people feel like voting and stuff isn't really going to get them anywhere. So if you don't control the money, how can you get, you know, how how can you get these people to stop sending uh, all these people into into bloody battle? You know, you don't have any choice. So that was cool that me and Andreas connected on that because we really bonded and, and formed and a real friendship. And um, what, what was the book he wrote that was very popular? Just to just to give some people some. Uh perspective on on him i know he wrote like a really good book didn't he um andreas is actually doing a bunch of really cool stuff he has a couple books he's doing one on ethereum oh and then he has one called mastering bitcoin and then he has another one bitcoin i think is the one that is very popular one called um the internet of money or magic internet yeah yeah exactly there's the internet of money and then there's mastering bitcoin so people are interested in that one actually the internet of money volume two is coming out and then that's the one That's for beginners because oh, mastering Bitcoin good. is hard. Yeah, that's you know what I mean? The, that's for tech people. Yeah, that's one of the issues that, that, we, that we're having. That's why we started this podcast because it's so – when you read the white papers or when you really try to look into a, a coin to see, oh, should I buy this or, or should I not? 
it's so mathematical, so giant words, it's so very lawyer. So intimidating. Yes. And it scares That's people. why I made the song though. It's because yeah. it's super intimidating and also no offense to dudes, but men have a way of explaining things in a way that's I'm not gonna go so far as mansplaining, but a little but it's pretty much in there. tech stuff. You know what I mean? You guys it's like I don't know. People people that are tech techs like tech guys, they have a way of kind of almost competing with each other in the intellectual like, you know, word smorgasbord that they're spewing forth and they don't remember that the person that they're talking to, if they don't feel comfortable, if they're made to feel stupid, they're not going to care about what you're talking about. So you have to make it fun and not scary. And that's why, you know, I thought even like with my podcast I don't know anything about technology and that's great that's yeah. the perfect kind of person to talk to people about tech and actually <laughs> share it you know so i think you you guys are on to the right um right track trying to make it approachable and we don't talk price actually we we want to talk about like who's behind the coins who 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 are the people like some people are buying all these coins and they don't even know who's on their board of directors like you know you, that's a good point it's like we we're digging into the coins and even into the history of the coins but Back to your history. So you you were with. Oh, okay. How do you say cool. his name? So, Anopolis. Yeah, Andreas Antonopoulos. So it's a good story. Uh, and then he's on he's on a podcast called Let's Talk Bitcoin, which was right. one of the one, one, one of the, the podcasts that I was super into. And is that um, one of the earliest uh, podcasts? Yes. Probably. Yeah. yeah. And um, yeah, I mean, I I gotta give them some love. They just did like they have over three hundred sixty episodes already. Wow. There you go. Yeah, and it's Andreas who's brilliant. Dr. Stephanie Murphy, brilliant. Adam Levine, super, super brilliant. They're all like geniuses and, yeah. and also really cool people um, to boot. So I was really lucky uh, to become friends with with those folks because, you know, I consider like I, I, I when you when you do ideological stuff, right, sometimes you see um, people that use ideology and like that common ground to exploit others and to be sketchy. But then there's those other people that you meet along the way that are truly on team good. And like that's the that's, you know, my heart is with with the LTB team. Um, so luckily, me and Adam B. Levine, we, we were talking about music and I was talking to him about the problems that I saw for artists. And the main problem that I saw as an independent artist was not registering my work, licensing my work, because I'm lucky if I get to make my work. So um, I figured the problem was fans and funding. And so what we did was we created the world's first artist cryptocurrency. This was even before um, before Image and Heaps thing, everything. So it was really new and it was really cool. And we thought about <clears throat> a variety of different coin platforms. And we started out with counter. Uh, no, we did MasterCoin. Then we switched over to Counterparty. Ethereum wasn't really ready for this kind of use case yet. Wow. Um, yeah, so I mean, Ethereum had just launched like a month or so before me and Adam even had our conversation. So yeah, you're uh, you're back in you you got that history, you got that. Yeah, you had to do work I for was, your for your coin. Oh, it was super old school. Oh, old you have school, no idea. Old school. Listen, it's very nice. People treat me very respectfully, like you're a legend or like whatever. But it's so hard and so difficult and so many tears. And so much frustration because I had no idea how hard it was to do anything technological, you know, and actually making the coin, making the token was the easiest part. 
figuring out how to sell it and how to like use it and all these other things and how to bring it to market and how to like all those other things were so unbelievably overwhelming. Uh, I certainly wasn't prepared, but luckily I had a really cool team. So Lisa Chang um, from Vanbex, now she's a company Vanbex, and then uh, Adam B. Levine and a whole bunch of other people from Counterparty. Uh, nice. We made it. And then um, basically the point was to sell the artist token, right, my Tatiana coin, and that would serve as like a little digital gift certificate. And you could use it instead of having like a Kickstarter where you have a fixed prize and it's like, oh, 50 bucks, you get a t-shirt or whatever, who cares? But like this would be an actual transferable token. And it was a little bit of a sneak attack because if you had my token, now all of a sudden you have to have a Bitcoin wallet. And so I was basically tricking people into getting into cryptocurrency. Interesting. That's and funny. Yeah, no, totally. I mean, and, I mean, and also- That's not a terrible way back in those days. No one knew anything. So you're like, you had to do that, well, you know? I was. I was a little, you know, we were we were ahead of our time. I mean, not to sound like we were ahead of our time, but we were, you know. And I wasn't famous enough to leverage it. Um, like I mean, what? I was famous in that world, and I was brave. But you need like a Taylor Swift to drive that kind of a thing, right? Sure, of course, yeah. But what, so, what year was this? What year was all this, this happening year? right now? Just the timeline. Um, this was in 2014. Okay, okay, cool. That was that was kind of near and around where I discovered Bitcoin, and I just knew what it was, and I liked the technology. But I just bought some, and then like kind of forgot about it, you know. Like just like yeah. put it on the shelf, but um, well, but you were like really like, involved. Oh no, I mean I was like hardcore in, in the days. community like for a very very long time, uh, and even before that because the there's like overlap like a lot of libertarians who were fed up with the with the political system went into crypto hardcore because they were like so, you know it really drove them to it after people saw how little penalty there was for the 2008 financial crisis, how unaccountable. Uh, government is and like how messed up the legal system is you know i mean people are just over it you know and they need and that's what was cool about it was you know you still had uh like some libertarian principles which you know i believe in, in terms of um freedom and stuff but like it wasn't so in your face mm -hmm. it wasn't like you had to get into an argument about you know different things that people get into arguments about because they're like on the left or on the right you were just building solutions and nobody was complaining. I mean, they were still complaining, let's be honest. <laughs> um, so, and the other thing that we were trying to solve was um, fans and funding, right? So the funding component was a little bit mild, like after a Kickstarter type thing, uh, but with the flexibility of a coin and then with the benefit of kind of onboarding people into crypto. But then there was the issue, you know, I, I had f Facebook and I'm sorry, I had Friendster, then MySpace and YouTube and Facebook. And, you know, when you go from platform to platform, what you realize is it's great that you get to access all these people for free, but you don't own those relationships. And so if that platform gets less popular or if that platform starts to steal your information and manipulate it and sell it to a whole bunch of people rampantly without any consequences, apparently. Exactly. You don't really have a way of getting off of that plantation. And they've got you by, you know, the proverbial uh, cojones. And and so it's yeah. really like for a person that cares about freedom, that was something that really, really bugged me. And so, um, yeah, so what we ended up doing was uh, using that coin to be a messaging layer to allow you to always have direct connection with your fans without any middleman. And that extends beyond just that initial point where they donate to you, but it also allows you to communicate with them. And once we created the coin, it was as if, you know, we had a car, but no roads. And I was not prepared for that. Um, the guys were, you know, and, and Adam and I, we tried partnering with various people and they were great, but it's such a challenge. And he and I seem to have a very in line vision. And so Adam created a company called Tokenly. 
And Token Lee's basically been all heads down. He's Adam is his own very flashy person. I mean, I know he has a podcast, but he's not like, you know, out in the crowds and kissing babies and stuff like the rest of these guys. He's uh he's very heads down working and and you know, the team has been working really hard. And what we learned over the past few years was um that it takes a really long time to build stuff. And now we've basically built this infrastructure that can be used as an e-commerce platform, which is their initial product that they're launching with. And that's already been used and been being used for years now. Um, but it's now like refined. Um, but then we also created a music product called token.fm. And to me, this was, and it is, uh, you know, my, my ideal project as an artist based on my experiences and what it would allow you to do is, um, Okay, so you can raise money from your fans. Now you can message with them. You can create tokens to represent different kinds of experiences, concert tickets, access tokens. So you can put things behind like an access token, controlled access walls kind of type thing. Mm -hmm. uh, and you can use it in order to encourage your fans to participate in your ecosystem. You know, you can give them free Tatiana coins and then they could get free music, that kind of thing. We also have a streaming platform that pays artists two cents a stream and it also allows you to do all your splits automatically. So if you want to pay your um, different writers and stuff, you can do that automatically. Or if you want to do a compilation record uh, with, let's say, you know, top 10 Bitcoin artists and then you have like all Bitcoin songs or something, it would automatically divvy up the money to all the different people. Oh, wow. And you could – yeah, and you can even um, – like, for example, BitGive is one of my favorite charities in cryptocurrency. I've been supporting them for years. And, um, you know, if, if I wanted to donate 10% of my proceeds to BitGive, I would be able to do that. And, and it would just automatically process. So, um, you know, and then also, I don't know, there's like so many different things that we can do with this platform. And what we ran into was as we were about to launch it in Q3 of last year – we got really bad news from the lawyers and they're like, listen, guys, yeah. <laughs> I don't think you want to do this. And they're like, you know, and, and they were all, you know, the lawyers that, that Adam and them are working with um, are conservative. But, you know, I'm friends with Ross Ulbricht and I think being conservative is probably a pretty good idea about now. Um, you don't know what's going to happen with this uh, crypto space, especially with the SEC, especially with other kinds of regulations. And the last thing that we want to do is launch an artist coin and then accidentally put the artist in harm's way and then have the SEC attacking the artist. Like that is not a good PR look. Yeah, no. So, and I, uh, no, I, was, yeah. I, was, I was just going to say, I was, I initially thought that your coin, your, your token was something else. Um, would it be considered a coin or a token? What, what did you end up? How, how do you, how would you classify the token? Does it really matter? I mean, not token really. in some ways. <laughs> I mean, it's cases. not like a, it's its own thing. And the thing is, is that we never tried to sell it like, oh, yeah. this is going to go up. You know, of course, with any kind of collectible item, there might be some sort of, you know, like upside because of demand, supply and demand. But it's not like I'm not really looking to I was never looking to make it something that people should speculate on. Although I do. I'm really, really intrigued by the idea of um, funding mass amounts of artists like in pockets almost like little investment pools mm -hmm. through through coin baskets almost um because you know whenever i would try and raise i did two rounds selling tatiana coin right and and it was i think i raised about 10 grand each time something like that and it was um it was uh i, I don't sorry i lost my train no worries. <laughs> you, you... Uh, oh yeah so i i raised the money twice but it was you know Granted, I'm like early on, right? And and regular people don't know how to do it. But even crypto people didn't know how to do it because it was really 
like rudimentary in terms of what we were creating in certain ways, like in terms of user experience. Um, but basically, yeah, it it can be, it can be really difficult for any artist to raise that kind of money. But if you open it up to an investment pool that allows people that maybe don't have rich parents and rich friends that are just donating lots of money, like what if you live in the ghetto and you don't have money, you know, what does that mean? You shouldn't get to do art. Maybe making that, uh, opportunity available to more people. I think people, if they knew that they could invest in some artists, even if they spent one time $50 and they got a batch of artists, I think they'd kind of like that. Um, so I don't know. I think there's, there's a lot of lessons that we've learned, uh, in our experience. And, you know, one of the things that I, that I didn't touch on was, was the album itself. Um, and the album cover specifically, uh, and all this sort of ties into why I think artist coins are so important. You know, we mentioned before about Britney Spears and the death of music. And and I think that we can attribute a lot of that to the um, cartel-like nature of the music industry. And that's being democratized every day. You know, we've had a lot of really great projects come along down the pike and that have helped. But nonetheless, it's still really difficult for artists to make money and to, in my case, for example, represent a viewpoint that isn't necessarily uh, represented by like Hollywood or like standard artists. You know, a lot of artists are really like hardcore on the left and I'm a libertarian, you know, and there's no place for me at the table. But aside from even that label, let's do do something really simple. Like everybody knows that war is bad, right? Nobody's like, oh yeah, let's go bomb them. I mean, most artists anyway, aren't into that. And yet we haven't heard a single anti-war song in the past 20 years when we've been waging war everywhere like crazy. And I think that that's really, really strange. So when I think about making an artist coin, I think of it as a way of liberating artists and allowing them to have free expression. And you don't need to be Beyonce. You just need to have enough money so you don't have to get eight waitressing jobs. And so you can actually have time to work on your music and to have a little life balance so you don't burn out as an artist early on. And so you can continue to make great music like humanity is served by really good music. And if it's only made through corporations, um, you know, and, and yeah, there's streaming and there's all different kinds of ways that artists can can get out there. But this is to me like my contribution. And what I did to illustrate that was uh, along the way, I, I became friends with Lynn Ulbricht. So Lynn Ulbricht is the mother of Ross Ulbricht, who is the alleged founder of the Silk Road. Do you think your audience knows oh, wow. about Silk oh, Road? Oh, yeah. We talked about uh, Silk Road bit. in the early episodes, yeah. of course. Um, okay. Because cool. I was around during all that. Like, you know, I knew oh, about wow. that when it was happening. So. Oh, well. See, I didn't even know about Silk Road until I already got into Bitcoin. I was like, what kind of people buy drugs on the internet? Like, that sounds like a bad idea. <laughs> hey, they That's sold video games on Silk Road, okay? <laughs> they like, sold everything they, on Silk Road. It was like eBay. He made a mistake. He went too far. He let it fall far into a rabbit hole, but it proved that there was a currency market for Bitcoin, well, which was crazy. I mean, and he's a very glass half full kind of yeah, guy. Yeah, I am. I am. He tries to find um, it. <laughs> I do. It's well, true. Well, I think that uh, the so I, I consider Russell Brick to be a hero. But he broke I didn't doors down for us. He took falls for us so that we could be here today. You know, that's actually very true. Um, yeah. And so the way that I learned that, though, was because of his mother, Lynn Ulbricht. So, you Lynn know, Ulbricht Lynn, is, the mother. Oh, yeah, no, me and Lynn are me and Lynn are super close. Okay. Uh, yeah, no, we we've actually toured the world together. Uh, we've played at at least like twenty or thirty different uh, events so together. So she's a she's a mu- musician. 
No, 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 no. Okay. She speaks and oh, she talks speaker. about Got it. the drug war and about the larger constitutional issues oh. at play with the Silk Road. And and she really helped educate me about what the F is going on with the drug war. And I was like, holy crap, this is really, really bad. And what happened with Ross was really, really bad and really scary. Um, and you he's know, still in prison right among- now. Course, oh right? yeah, no, they gave him double life oh, yeah. 40 years for all prison. nonviolent charges. And really quickly, I always like to correct this point because yes. it's commonly mis- misunderstood. We, we have we have he we have has questions. not he never ordered hits. He was never convicted. He was never tried. He never went to court for that. Nothing like that. They just use it to smear him. So it's like it's actually one of the things that's coming up in his Supreme Court case, which is they're deciding about it. Um this week, I believe by April 16th, well, they're going to find out. I, I honestly hope they at least cut his time. In, like he can, he should serve. Half, so he should serve. <laughs> he should serve time. Oh, yeah. Bonkers. You know, he should serve yeah. some time, but he doesn't have to serve like two lifetimes. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's, a, oh, it's, no. it's really I mean, scary, it's especially for the nonviolence. And, and there's there are people who are out, out of not even in jail that should be in there that have but, stolen a lot more money, as we know. From oh, my gosh. All these child molesters, they let them out after like a year, year or two. And Ross and built a freaking guys. website. <laughs> He's made a website. Not, we don't even, he made eBay, I don't actually like think. Ultra easy sorry, eBay. Yeah. Well, but you know what? He he was held responsible for it. But mm-hmm. who logged in as DPR when he was in solitary confinement? Yeah. Sure. So, so there's. You know I what mean, I mean? Like, it's ridiculous. There's so many holes in that story. I suggest people check out the Deep Web or Reason sure. Magazine. Yeah. I'm, I'm a big fan of that history, too. I, I think it's really, yeah. really, really interesting. And like Bit Instant was also got stuck in that whole thing, too. Yeah. So, uh, you know, slaughter people. If you do something wrong, I mean, they're not messing around. Governments know about cryptocurrency and they should be afraid. They are having an appropriate reaction. Now, if they were jerks, then they sh- wouldn't have to be afraid. But they're they're a little racket. Wow. <laughs> <It's up. laughs> I mean, so, so anyway, no, sorry, I don't want to put you down the rabbit hole. Yeah. My point is, is that um, yeah. I, I wrote a song about the Silk Road because I, I knew that there was so much misconception around it. And I wanted people to like hear about it with an open heart. So I wrote this song called The Silk Road. And I eventually visited Ross in prison. I don't know. I've been to prison and visited him like, I don't know, over a dozen times now uh, over the past few years. And we became really close friends. And he ended up drawing a picture of me from a, a like a libertarian like photographer he's like well-known Judd Weiss and he took that photo and, and he drew a picture of me and I used it as my album cover and he drew that in freaking prison and that Holy that crap. underlines like if I was signed to a label would you think I would be allowed to have a political prisoner draw my album cover like I don't think so and that's a problem because as an artist, I should be able to express myself however I want. And because we have these weird corporate interests, it's skewing up art. And as human beings, uh, we're totally getting screwed. Yeah, no, I, we're getting like, popcorn music. We totally love, uh, I especially love your, your definitely absolute freedom of expression on any level, which is, uh, which is amazing. Um, the, so, so, that, so your hopes in terms of for cryptocurrency to artists is to... Yes try to give them their you're hoping that cryptocurrency in the future whether it be through your coin or through any other forms of blockchain so uh, uh futures um that artists can control what they do how much they get who can fund them where they get, you know how how they can make a living and eat exactly and that's the whole thing look there's no need to cut out the music industry the music industry serves a lot of purposes you can't build your own career all by yourself it's really 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 hard 
Um, so you, but you should be able to hire those people and know what you're making and have transparency all along the way. And own and your content. Yeah, exactly. Content. This is at, proof of ownership. Yes, of course. I mean, there's all these other people that are taking credit for the artist. The artist has to have their own something. And then there needs to be a way for artists and other content creators to like trade their content and to, you know, share their music with each other and license their music with each other and collaborate without having 50 million other stupid idiots in the way. Okay. No, no. So that's no. my inspiration. I no, it's absolutely, and I, I we're on we're on board. There's a few different coins that are kind of trying, or and tokens trying to do the same thing on dis on different parts of different industries. So the monetizing spectrum, yeah. where your where proof of ownership is important, like like whether it's you know uh, dropping an article online to you know making a movie to anything like yeah. that, anything content creator involved, even. Uh, video game streamers, you know, and they're making monetized money. But there's D Live and D Tube, which are giving people that have YouTube videos a chance to monetize mm -hmm. without, you know, the third party. Yeah. So, so since you're so early on in this and you've been with it for a few years now, what are some of the uh, difficulties that you're finding right now that you that you hope to have fixed in the future for for more artists to follow in your footsteps? Well, I'd love to be able to launch our platform and we're currently vetting um, a few different partners in order to do that because, you know, we've always been really into partnering with people and to work in a collaborative way, even with the idea of the coin itself, you know, the artist coin, it should be um, like token.fm should not only service counterparty tokens, it should service all kinds of tokens. So now we have like ERC20 tokens. We have all different kinds of implementations for other currencies going on. So um, I think that, you know, as we get our partnerships together, I'd love it if people joined us. But in the meantime, I think getting an education and actually, you know what? I don't know if these music platforms are ready for prime time, to be honest. But you know what the best thing an artist can do right now is buy some Bitcoin, buy some <laughs> nice. currency, because if you don't Agreed. have money, you don't have anything. Or, and or, and like unless your parents are rolling, you you know, or you got like a lot of money coming in from some other job, like if you you can have so much freedom by having cryptocurrency, if it happens, you know, you have to be wise and you can't invest money that you can't lose just like with any investment. Yeah. Um, but it's way better spent on cryptocurrency than, you know, at some casino at a Vegas weekend or on a latte. I mean, man, a little bit of money can make such a big difference in your career. And cryptocurrency allows you to a say F the man and B, make a little money and C, expand your mind into a completely new creative space that's bringing together people from every industry on earth with a pretty common goal of accessibility and fairness and transparency. I mean, how, who wouldn't want to be a part of that? That's so inspiring as an artist. You know, when I wrote the Bitcoin jingle, it's because I was inspired and I think other artists can find inspiration. So, yeah, try and try and buy some crypto, but become a part of that larger movement yeah. to actually build solutions uh, absolutely and, or uh, um if you can't afford to buy any crypto for whatever reason do what i like what you do you have a nice little uh, qr code for for on your guitar oh yeah that's a good idea totally you can do that i mean i look realistically not that many people are going to give you bitcoin of course but some people might and it's getting popular and uh and then you could be ahead of the curve yeah we like on our on our logo we have our ethereum qr code and it's uh, and you know we haven't gotten many donations, but the ones that we've had, one we've deeply appre appreciated, and it's cool that they can that we can reach the audience. And the audience can help us out the same way. 
Yep. Um, Absolutely. So. We're seeing a different a different shift in, in who owns the media. And um, there are some hiccups along the way. But I think it's, it's a really exciting time uh, to be a content creator and to find new ways of finding new friends out there. I mean, that's really what... I mean, I, I mean, they're fans and stuff, but they're friends, too. Awesome. Well, yeah. Well, and and I just wanted to mention that, uh, Tatiana, we've met before. And uh, I just want to admit, the last time I met you, Bitcoin was at, I think, about 2000. It was... Uh, oh, yeah. It was like two years ago, I think. It was a different time even then, uh, yeah, I think. When sure. When we met, it was a different time. Like, it's it's changing, and it's like... It's in the last year, I'm, my mind has been blown with the just people that used to go to me that just to shake their heads and not know what it is. And now they're just like buying things they don't know what they're buying yeah. and getting involved or not wanting to still get involved. But oh, yeah. it's very, very nice. I, I do have I do catch myself sometimes being a little bit defensive, though. Yeah. And it's something I'm trying to soften on. You know, that's like, funny. Man, you people that. made fun of us for so long. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? And now everybody's coming in and acting like they own the joint. It's like, listen, banker, <laughs> beat it. You know, it's what's funny. Your, what's your policy on the Constitution? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, that's funny. Uh, you know, like it, it's 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 vindication uh it's like revenge of the nerds it's, yeah. it's a lot of exciting things <laughs> uh so i i just wanted you know i i think that i am like super actually i just wanted to say that i didn't know anything about the silk road stuff with you and i'm really glad you got to share your story with us and like joining us on the show you know you're our first uh musician uh interview where we could actually talk to someone that's an artist and and get your perspective. And uh, I just like really thank you for joining the the Coin Boys podcast today, Tatiana. Thank you so much. Where, where oh, can people thanks. where can people find you? Find your information. Uh, get a hold of you. Sure. Yeah. Um, well, thanks for having me on. I appreciate uh, the opportunity to make some uh, new audience friends. Yeah. And um, basically, people can go to uh, TatianaMoroz.com. Um, that's where all my music stuff is. My marketing PR company for crypto is uh, CryptoMediaHub.com. I'm on Twitter as Queen Tatiana. Uh, I have a podcast, too, called The Tatiana Show, and we have a new website, thetatianashow.com, that's almost done, but done enough for people to take a look. We understand so, how, yeah, that, how I'm all over the place. People can, <laughs> and yeah, if you want to buy my music and stuff, uh, it's on all the usual suspects like iTunes and Amazon or whatever, but you can also get it on my site with cryptocurrency. Thank you so, That's so awesome. much. That's awesome. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, for those of you who Thanks, want guys. to uh, to listen to Tatiana again, we're going to be playing Call You Out. Is there anything you want to play uh, say about this particular song before we play? Yeah, we're going to play it out at the end. Well, I just think of this song as like a little bit of an anthem. And, and there have been times in my life where I haven't been able to like speak freely and call people out on on their corruption. And, and I don't have that fear anymore. And I think that other people should uh, hopefully maybe get that spirit from the song. So I'm actually really psyched that you guys show this one. Cool. And, uh, I'll, you know, thanks again, Tatiana. And I just wanted to tell everyone that, you know, uh, again, we're the Coin Boys. You can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud at Coin Boys. And then, of course, on Twitter, we're Coin Boys Podcast, Instagram, Coin Boys Cast. And then I'm Andy, a.k.a. producer, by the way. I'm and Danny Gutz. And this is... Uh, Gutierrez 84. And this is... Call you out. I went out to a gig today. They told me I'd be paid to play. I'm counting on it to pay all of my bills. I gotta eat, have a place to sleep. Need to cool the summer heat. So yeah. If you don't mind, I need my cat.
chilly Far away it wasn't pretty But I dust myself off and walk away I'm looking up and I won't be down Cause I get to play all around the world It is so beautiful to see Benefit of broken systems these days 